Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we'll be talking about the Hawks' 116-93 win over the Orlando Magic. The Hawks take care of business against the Magic and move one step closer to clinching home court in the first round of the playoffs. They moved to 40-31 and 31 on the season, doubling their win from last season. Without further ado, let's get into it. That is the performance you wanted to see from the Hawks when they're taking on a team that is just playing to finish the season out. And as the Hawks are trying to get some wins and really finish the year strong, they're on a big home winning streak. They've won 10 games in a row at State Farm Arena, which is huge. And they just continue to play well. After two hard-fought wins over the Washington Wizards, the Hawks took on an Orlando team that is just playing out the end of their season. The Magic were missing a ton of guys. I mean, there's no... MCW, Ennis, Markel Foltz, Isaac, or Okiki. The, the list of injured Magic men is just as long as the Hawks had earlier this season. A stat that was pretty amazing Bob talked about during the game was the Magic have played as many players, 28, um, as any team has played in the history of the NBA over a regular season. And, of course, this season is condensed, so that's just kind of shows you how injured the Magic have been. But of course, the Hawks have had their own injuries. There's no excuse for injuries. And coming into the game, a few of the Hawks were game-time decisions. Trey, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella. Um, and eventually, Snell would not be able to go. And, of course, no Cam Reddish. But other than that, the rest of the Hawks all got to play. And the Hawks came in and took care of business early, put this game away, and never really let the Magic get back into it. In the first quarter, the Hawks would outscore the Orlando Magic 29-16. to the Hawks did not protect play particularly well in the first quarter, but they held the Magic to just 29% shooting from the floor. The Hawks did not shoot the ball that much better. They shot 37% from the field, but it was enough to build that 13-point lead, and the Hawks would expand that lead in the second quarter, pushing the lead all the way up to 20 points at halftime to be up 61-41. to 41. Um, The starters would make their last appearance in the third quarter, uh, the Hawks would only outscore the Magic 32-30 to 30 in that quarter, but they would build all the way up to a 30-point lead before Orlando kind of chipped into it a little bit. Um, Orlando started the third quarter on a 7-2 to run and finished the quarter on a 13-3 to run, but in between that, the Hawks had a 17-4 to run of their own, um, and Nate McMillan would be able to pull his starters and go with his backups and then ultimately clear the bench in the fourth quarter. Again, the Hawks would outscore Orlando in the fourth quarter, 23-22. to 22. Um, And the Hawks got some nice performances in that fourth quarter from Kevin Herter and then Brandon Goodwin off the bench. Um, but the Hawks would kind of cruise to a 116-93 win. And it was nice to see the Hawks come out and really just take care of business. After the game, Nate McMillan talked about how he thought the energy with the team was just a very business-like approach to build a lead and then not let this Magic team ever get back into it. For the Hawks, they got really good performances from Trey and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, both of those players got going early, and the Magic seemed to have a defensive strategy of going under and letting those players get into the paint and shoot shots in the paint. And that was just a losing proposition as Trey found his floater again, and then Bogdan was able to get into the paint and get some floaters going as well. Uh, the Hawks would also, after having a rough shooting first quarter, especially from the three-point line where they would just go two of 11, they would get much better than they did in the last game against the Wizards. They would start hitting some threes and ultimately be 14 of 36 from the three-point line for 39%. And you know that Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to be at the 
uh, head of the table as far as the Hawks shooting three-pointers is concerned. But Bogdan would end the game with 27 points on 9 of 12 shooting. He was 4 of 7 from the three-point line. He could have had even a few more three-pointers. He had one really poor turnover where he was wide open and he tried to get the ball into the paint. And Clint Capella, who was in the paint, all the Hawks were just stunned that Bogdan hadn't taken the wide open three. And even as the Magic were on the fast break because of the turnover, Bogdan kind of hit himself in the head and was just shaking his head at that turnover because he was so open he just needed to shoot it. But uh, Bogdan had it all working. Those 27 points would leave the ha- lead the Hawks. He was 5 of 5 from the free throw line. He had three rebounds, five assists, and two steals. I think his passing is now his most underrated skill. It's so wonderful for the Hawks to have a secondary playmaker, someone on the court besides Trey who can come up and get the Hawks into those sets. He had a beautiful pass to Clint Capella that got uh, Capella a bit easy look at the basket. And it's just good to see how hot Bogdan has been this second half of the season, and he continues to be going into the playoffs. Trey Young, 7 of 14. He has not found his three-point shot. He was 0 of 5 there. But again, he has gotten so deadly with his floater. It is just on automatic, and teams really don't know if he's throwing a lob or going for that floater. He is 4 of 4 from the free throw line for 18 points. He had seven assists and just one turnover. In games where Trey is able to really limit his turnovers and get his teammates the ball in position to uh, drain shots, it's just it's going to be tough for any team to beat the Hawks in that situation. I think both of those players, Bogdan and Trey, um, during the game on Twitter, Brad Rowland, who has his own podcast and is just a wonderful follow if you love the Hawks, but he talked about how really the Hawks didn't seem to be playing their best basketball, and yet they found themselves up like 20 points at halftime. And both of those players, Bogdan and Trey, just give the Hawks a really high floor on the offensive end. And um, I thought Trey, while he didn't have his three ball working, he was able to find his teammates close in and to get easy buckets and then also was able to just get into the paint and hit floaters at will. Um, Cole Anthony had a really tough time guarding Trey. There were a couple of possessions where Trey got dribbling. Cole Anthony tried to get play some really good defense, tried to get into Trey, but Trey was able to shake him and hit some wild floaters right in the paint. Um, and it was just, again, to see how far the floater has come. You know, at the beginning of the season and even mo- through the mid parts of this season, Trey has not found that automatic shot at the floater that he has had these first two seasons in Atlanta. And it seems going into the playoffs, Trey has gotten way more comfortable with that floater, and it's kind of on automatic. Clint Capella, you know, just had another double-double, 14 points, 14 rebounds. Um, it's He had 10 rebounds in the first quarter, which was just wild. He was everywhere. There was no one that the Magic had that could really challenge him on the boards. Wendell Carter Jr. tried, but Clint Capella was just able to get everywhere. And then he was really good, as always, running the court and got some really easy baskets in transition. Um, he was four of six on his free throws as well, which is going to be important coming going into the playoffs as Capella has just continued his steady play on the boards. One of the big differences for the Hawks is when they're able to limit teams to one shot. Uh, Orlando actually did a nice job on second chance points. They outscored the Hawks there 21 to 10. But when the Hawks are able to limit teams to just one shot and then the Hawks go out and on offense, the Hawks offense is so good that they're going to be able to outscore teams if they're just going shot for shot. And that's kind of what happened in this game. The Hawks shot uh, were 41 of 94 on the game for 44%. Orlando was 36 of uh, of 94. Um, And then the Hawks were 14 of 36 from three. The Magic were 11 of 36. So 
There was a very similar amount of shots on both sides, but the Hawks are just a little bit better at shooting than this Magic team. Um, and Clint Capella is a huge part of why the Hawks are able to end defensive possessions with rebounds because he's such a good rebounder. Um, John Collins, four of nine, four of six from three-point land. You know that makes me happy to see John Collins take a bunch of three-pointers. He was able to be open on the perimeter a lot this game after hitting that big three-pointer to put the Hawks up on the Wizards um, on Wednesday night. It was really good to see uh, John continue to shoot the ball at the perimeter, and he got open. His teammates were finding him, and he was drilling three-pointers. Um, he had six rebounds and one block. He continues to be aggressive as a weak side defender, and uh, I think John Collins is going to be a big difference maker for the Hawks in the playoffs. He just he can sometimes feel like he's the Hawks' fourth option on offense, but in a deep but in the playoffs, excuse me, the Hawks are going to have to go to that fourth option, and I don't think there is a better fourth option in the league. Uh, John Collins is just so versatile, whether he's on the perimeter or getting to the basket, and he's really rounding into form at the end of the season. He ended the game with 12 points, those four three-pointers, again, six rebounds and one block. And then to finish out the starters, Solomon Hill started. Um, I thought that was a nice move from Nate McMillan to kind of shift Herter back to that uh, leader in the second unit. It hel helps that second unit get a ball handler next to Lou Williams, but Hill had zero points in 20 minutes. He had two rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Um, and it was just, you know, he's in there to be a connector. He's not going to be the focus on any offensive side of the ball. He's going to be very competent on defense. But I thought it was a shrewd move by uh, Nate McMillan to get Herter into that second unit. For the bench, again, they were outscored. Um, the Orlando bench won the scoring on the Battle of the Benches 53-45. to but again, 53 to 45 is not any sort of domination. And when the Hawks starters outscore the Magic starters as much as they did, almost all of the Hawks starters were plus 23 in the plus minus uh, statistic. But it was more than enough for the Hawks bench to come in and compete. Kevin Herter really took over in the fourth quarter. He had his three-pointer going, but he'd go 6 of 12, 2 of 5 from 3 for 14 points. He had six rebounds, two of those offensive, two assists, and a steal. He continues to have the best hands on the Hawks team, and his steal led to an easy run-out layup for him. I thought there was a funny part in the fourth quarter when Lou Williams, the Hawks got out on in transition, and Lou Williams pulled up for a three. Uh, there was just one magic man on defense, and uh, Kevin Herter went right to the basket and was looking for an alley-oop. And Lou didn't give it to him, and Herter was actually upset. It looked like Herter you know, pointed up, wanted the alley-oop. And Lou didn't give it to him, but it's good to see Herter playing with such confidence. He continues to get into the paint, and if his three isn't falling early, he can get into that paint, and his mid-range is pretty deadly. He can just elevate over a lot of players and get to his sweet jump shot. Danilo Gallinari, 3 of 10, 1 of 4 on threes. He did get to the free throw line for three free throws. He had eleven or 10 points, 4 rebounds, an assist, and a block. DeAndre Hunter got 15 minutes of playing time. I thought he looked fine. He's still working it out on the offensive end, but his defense continues to look solid. He was just one of seven, and even the shot he made was a kind of a wild fadeaway in the paint. Um, DeAndre Hunter is going to be a big key for the Hawks going forward, especially in this playoffs, no matter who they go against, whether it's the Heat or the Knicks. And so for him to get as much playing time as possible, I think is really huge for this Hawks team. Um, he would have three rebounds and assists, just four points, um, did get to the free throw line, but his defense is solid. It's there. It's his offense where he's still trying to find his way. He He's still pulling three-pointers, which is great, but it's just going to take him a few games. I think the 
week off before the Hawks have to start the playoffs is going to be a big time for DeAndre. And just I'll be interested to see how much he plays against the Rockets in the Hawks final game. Um, Lou Williams, two of seven two both of his makes came from behind the three point line. He had six points, four rebounds. And then Aneka Kangwu was just one of three, uh, one of two from the free throw line for three points. He did have six boards, three of them offensive and a block. He went off the court uh, towards the end of the game, went to the locker room, but it was reported by Sarah Spencer from the HAC that that was nothing and that Okongwu was fine. So really strong performance up and down the Hawks roster. Eventually, even Bruno Fernando and Skylar Mays would get into the game. Mays had an awesome dunk in the fourth quarter, but really just strong performances by the Hawks up and down. For the Magic, Wendell Carter Jr., of course, from Atlanta, was 4 of 11. He'd scored 12 points, 11 rebounds in a block. He was competing the whole game, but he just really had no chance against Clint Capella or John Collins, no matter who the Hawks had down there. Cole Anthony had a solid game, 12 points, seven rebounds, six assists, and a steal. And then Gary Harris, who came over from in that Nuggets trade, along with RJ Hampton, who we'll talk about, had seven points, a rebound, and two assists. The Magic really went to their bench. RJ Hampton came off the bench and chipped in 18 points, um, with many of them nine coming in the fourth quarter. He went for one massive dunk and he took off at like the dotted line right in front of the free throw line and he didn't quite get there. And that led to a little Hawks run out and they were able to score on it. Um, but RJ Hampton had everything working. He was four or five from the three point line. He had five assists, a block. He looks like a really good young player for this Magic team. Um, and he's again came over with uh, Gary Harris in the Aaron Gordon trade earlier this season. Dante Hull is a big man who came off the bench for 11 points, five rebounds and assists. Chasen Rendell and Ignas Bradazikas both had nine points as well off the bench. Um, Randall in particular hit a couple three-pointers in the third quarter that kind of brought the uh, magic back into the game slightly before the Hawks went on their big tail to push the lead up to 30. But uh, again, a really business-like win for the Hawks. They hold par and move to 40 and 31. Both the Knicks and the Heat won as well tonight. The Heat having a very impressive win over the 76ers. Um, So no changes in the standings. All three remain tied. The Hawks have actually played one more game than both of those teams. So they're 40 and 31, whereas the Heat and Knicks are both 39 and 31. But if all the teams went out, it would be a three-way tie, and the Hawks would have the tiebreaker. Uh, winning the Southeast Division and would be able to be the number four seed. Uh, if other things happen anywhere, the Hawks, if the Hawks went out, they win their game against the Rockets on Sunday. They can't be any lower than five, um, but anything can happen if the Hawks lose on uh, Sunday. So they need to come out and get a win against the Rockets. But the Hawks really came out, just took care of business after two really hard fought games against the Wizards. I thought they did a good job and just beat a team that they're better than. Um, it was nice to see that none of the starters had to have, you know, huge play, playing time loads. They all got to play about 25 minutes, and Nate was able to get them uh, to come out and rest, and they don't have a game for two days now. Um, the Hawks play their final game of the regular season against the Rockets at home, um, and that's their last game before the playoffs, and then they'll have a, about a week off, and then they will start their series, and we'll see whether they're starting at home or on the road. But the Hawks are kind of rounding into form at the best point, 
or best time that they could be at the end of the season. So big 116 to 93 win over the Magic and really good for the Hawks to continue to play well at the end of the season. They also announced before this game that Cam Reddish had been awarded the Jason Collier Memorial Trophy that goes to the Atlanta Hawk, who is the community ambassador for the team and exemplifies the qualities of Jason Collier, the late Hawks center who passed away in 2005. But big win for the Hawks. They play their final regular season game on Sunday, and we will be here to talk about that game then. Go Hawks! Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks!